0: In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded
1: as a bad move. This This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready adventurer, and as as always, we we apologize for the inconvenience.
2: Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm
0: John. In studio tonight, we've got my favorite sconce, Nick sconce. Wait, is he it has, a special guest? He is a special guest. Okay. Remember, all guests are special. He's a special sconce guest. <laughs> <laughs> he is a uh, local author with a new book out on the shelves. Are they on shelves yet? Um, it's on my coffee table. It is on my coffee yeah, table. Yeah, so
1: I'm sure it's on various coffee tables, but <laughs> ultimately it's through Amazon best way to get it so it's self-published no. no no it's through uh my publisher's national writers press they're the ones um i've been with them on all three of these books uh so far so um they're based in parker colorado so parker, parker, colorado. parker colorado is that just right outside of
0: denver yeah is that that's like southeast between like denver and colorado springs Yeah, you know, it's south of aurora there isn't it? Isn't that where they used to have the old um, Renaissance Festival? Or no, that's that's for, oh, that's
1: Larkspur. That's Larkspur. That's okay. further,
0: that's closer to the mountains. There. So your name is Nick Scotts, and you're from Oklahoma, and you yes. got a new. What is the name of your book? Uh, the new book is called Hatchet Women. Hatchet Women. Hatchet Women. So then, this is about Hillary Clinton. <laughs> no, it's
1: not about it. Is she not? Is she not? A, are you saying she's not a hatchet woman? I what what <laughs> uh, i do i don't know hillary clinton personally and um i do the, the phrase hatchet women is kind of a spin on um a more traditional phrase being hatchet men and and in certain industries or business sectors hatchet men uh, are the ones who re- refers to the folks that come in and essentially fire people or terminate contracts and Those types of things. So, is that like George Clooney from up in in
0: the air or whatever
1: that movie? Yeah. It's the bobs from office space. It's the bobs from office. Space. Oh, okay. Now they did it on a consultative basis, but yeah, essentially, um, well, that was absolutely hilarious in most cases. (laughs) It's not hilarious at the time. It becomes hilarious later when you relive those experiences in your mind and replay what people tell you. Right. Um, but, but part of the basis of, of the book is, is the, what I used to refer to as the free entertainment element of that because when someone is being terminated or fired or uh, their contract being terminated early or for cause or whatever you call it, um, it's a very highly emotional situation. Yeah. And uh, in my actual personal life or professional life, I should say, I um, have been in that role Uh, before. And so of being uh, the
2: hatchet person,
1: but yes, of being the hatchet person. So um, I would caution others who um, weren't necessarily as efficient at it as I was. I would quote Lost Boys, actually.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've been reading the book and honestly, it opens up with a a Lost Boys quote.
1: Yeah, there's um, well in the way I would caution people is You know, right before the big epic battle in Lost Boys at the very end of the movie, um, I think it's Corey Feldman's character, which is one of the Frog Brothers, right? Yes. Pauses and tells everybody, um, just so you all know, no two vampires go the same way. (laughs) Some (laughs) implode, some explode. But know this, all will try to take you with it. Oh, wow. And fascinatingly enough, when somebody is being fired it's the same way you have no, there's no predictive quality that you can apply to how someone's gonna to react to that, to that event, but they all will try to take you with them, um, either by bringing you into HR or starting nice. to deal with legal action or things like that. So um, it's actually pretty good advice coming from, you know, an <laughs> 80s movie. Coming from Corey Feldman. <laughs> coming from Corey Feldman. Um, they're, they're, I don't know if you guys, did you, you ever see the second one? The sequel. Second Lost Boys? Wait, no. A no, I knew there was a, was a not, sequel, no, but I, I never, never saw it. It's horrible. Well, of course. Um, it has <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland's younger brother in real life. Wait, playing. there's a younger
0: Sutherland? Yeah. I didn't know this. I didn't either until <laughs> I saw this movie. And did Donald Sutherland play the lead vampire? No,
1: he, he kind of like played the... the role that his brother did in the first one. Um, but ultimately... Um, Corey Feldman is the only returning character. Yeah. Oh, wow. Even the the more silent frog <laughs> brother decided to turn this project down. Right? Should have been Feldman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, um, he has another line in that one that is almost as equally valuable about exterminating vampires. But um, I don't know what line for line, so I won't say it here. But it's a horrible movie. If you could find it for free somewhere, watch it just to find that line because it's hilarious. Um, but other than that, it's it's not a worthy pursuit. It to, feels like a movie that's movie. probably
2: on YouTube. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah at this point, <laughs> along with know, Lady in White, I think I saw, I found it on like Netflix <laughs> or yet some, you know, buried deep somewhere. Yeah.
0: Well, so your book Hatchelman, though, that this exists within um, the insurance industry, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Now, insurance there, there's lots of different insurance industries. Like, mm-hmm. what what specific aspect of the insurance industry does this occur within?
1: So, uh, well, one to back up a little bit, the insurance industry is, is, um, a very conservative industry yes, it it is, is one in which, uh, uh, women are, do not have the same, um, opportunities for advancement as in other, uh, industries that may be more progressive. Um, and there are a lot of different systemic reasons for that. I'm not here to justify it by any means, but it is what it is. Hopefully that will continue to change, but um, if you don't, if you're a woman and you don't want to be on the operational side of an in insurance company, there's not a whole lot of advancement opportunity for you. Um, and I mean that from either being in, in sales or in management or even in leadership roles. So, um, the, the area of, of the insurance industry that I focus on for this is, uh, um, the life and annuity area. Okay. And so, um, uh, People who might be familiar with the insurance industry might think of that and, and, the title and think of, um, what, what is actually known as special investigations units, which are um, SIU, mm-hmm. which is an internal department inside an insurance company that, uh, investigates claims fraud. So right. if there's an insured who is creating a fraudulent claim, an SIU, department will go out and investigate that. You see that it's really prevalent in say like workers comp. That, that I used to work there.
0: in the auto industry and I can see remember many there, times of sending out requests to open up SIU units yep. on a claim.
1: Um, there's not so much of that in life and annuity because there's only one claim, you die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's not multiple claims. There, there's just one instance. And so there's not a whole lot of fraud there, although there there is uh, definite um opportunity i would say for uh money laundering and so that's one in this particular part of the industry um you're trained very heavily on how to money laundering
0: through life insurance and annuities Mm -hmm.
1: yeah Um, you can put large sums of money into those types of insurance contracts Mm -hmm. and through what most states have they call a free look position uh, a free look uh, provision i should say you can get that money out in 30 days without any kind of time of penalty. And so it's literally called free looking a policy. And um, what that does is that layers money. It, and so it, it legitimizes it, it's in and it's out real quick. So not to be way off the subject there, but that's really the only area of uh, fraud. I shouldn't say only, but one of the main areas of fraud in life and annuity. Uh, however, um, the, uh, the hatchet women actually start um, in a company uh, working more on the the property and casualty side of a company and and just investigating essentially bad behavior, uh, from agents, whether that's, um, uh, not being honest in terms of, um, the types of business they're writing, Mm -hmm. you know, fudging zip codes for garaging addresses for, you know, car insurance or, uh, putting somebody in a different zip code to get a better rate on their homeowner's insurance. Um, those, those actually are quite common. Uh, and they're fraudulent and they need to be dealt with. Um, sometimes uh, there are some cases of embezzlement that goes on, um, on the agent side. And so that's where, uh, the four hatchet women start, um, uh, their careers, so to speak. Um, and they do too well <laughs> and they terminate too many people, um, all justified, but rather too quickly. Um, And there's positive result from that. Uh, The insurance company's profitability goes way up because they're not having to deal with all this bad business being written, all that type Mm -hmm. of thing. But they certainly become, from a corporate politics standpoint, a threat to uh, the establishment or the status quo or uh, the way things are, culturally speaking, inside the insurance company. So um, their boss and, of course, his boss and up the, the ladder, so to speak, um, try to essentially promote them, but also bury them into another area. And unfortunately, in doing so, um, they uncover a far greater uh, scheme that's afoot that um, has to deal with uh, what's known as private placement annuities. So um, a private placement annuity is where a corporation, uh, like just any type of business that needs to have uh, guaranteed uh, stream of funds can buy a private annuity. Private meaning it's only available to them. It's not available to the pro- uh, to the public. And then ultimately, it uh, it's only there's only one contract ever, and the terms are negotiated between the business and the insurance company. Um, a very good example of this, although this particular business doesn't need to fund things through private placement annuities. Uh, a good example would be when mcdonald's does the monopoly game mm-hmm. and i don't know what it is now but it used to be um you know if you got boardwalk and park place it's still know, a million is it a million bucks yeah i play it all the time <laughs> okay yeah you know, I, I get i get pulled in you know, <laughs> it's still monopoly right so uh you don't get a million bucks you get 20 installments annual installments of fifty thousand. And so it's structured as, as an annuity. With McDonald's, they're a large corporation. They, they don't need to um, leverage uh, an annuity contract to make that payout. They can probably pay that out with cash on hand, but there are other smaller uh, companies or businesses. Say for instance, let's say that you're a small regional grocery store, and you're coming up on your 20th anniversary of being in business, and you like have crest maybe- Crest or something. Yeah, like a Crest. Um, Again, not to say that Chris would do this either, but <laughs> let's say that you want to have one of those like door busters, those old sure. um, uh, cheesy things where they finish ringing you up and the balloons and confetti fall down and you're the millionth customer and here's a check. And they bring out that really large mm-hmm. check and take pictures of you and all that kind of stuff. They could use a private placement annuity to fund that because let's say it's a million dollars and, a single premium immediate annuity then turns around, you might only have to uh, pay $800,000 in order to generate a million dollars. So there is um, a gap there uh, that you can leverage. I'm only paying out this much to buy the annuity contract, but I'm actually getting a payout of this much. Well, because it's a private placement annuity, it doesn't fall under the same protections as other publicly offered annuities. Right. Meaning that, if you die during your uh, installment payout periods, there doesn't necessarily have to be a beneficiary to the remainder of your funds upon your death. So the way this company structures, in in the book, Hatchet Women, the way this company structures uh, their private placement annuities, they don't offer death benefits on your income stream through the annuity to a beneficiary. Uh, ultimately, the problem then becomes that the hatchet women find out that their company is selling a lot of this private placement annuity and everybody that gets is the um, the primary beneficiary of the annuity doesn't live past year three. So mm-hmm. they all die either mysteriously or by accident, but none of them live past year three of their payouts, which again mm-hmm. creates, uh, quite the, uh, in the business, they call it the hockey stick, but quite the uptick
0: Who in profitability,
1: the uptick. insurance company benefits from that. So uh. again, let's say it in our example, it's a $50,000 a year payout for 20 years. And they pay you three times. They paid you out 150,000. They sold the annuity for 800,000. They have profited to the tune of 650,000 on that private annuity. And then you do that several dozen times, and you really start to pad the numbers. So, ultimately, the the ladies, the hatchet women, discover that, and and have to have to resolve that issue. Now,
0: are the are the hatchet? Do the hatchet women become the heroes? Are they ultimately the heroes of the of the novel in some sense? Well,
1: they're yeah. The it, it's written from their perspectives. Um, I chose to write it in um, uh, third person limited, meaning that each chapter is written from the perspective of one of the four. Um, and they are in their minds, the the heroes. Um, and, and they're not, all are, but yeah, they're not. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they're not necessarily reluctant heroes either. They know what they're doing okay. and, um, um, they, they are committed to it and they believe in what they're doing. Uh, they're certainly the protagonists. Okay. Um, but ultimately they do experience, a, a high level of, uh, Uh, validation and vindication, um, for continuing to, to do what they. So then is
0: the, is the insurance company just in and of itself the antagonist of the novel or is there like a specific individual that's sort of the,
1: there are individuals. Yeah. There are individuals that, you know, inherently the, uh, with a lot of insurance companies that are actually publicly traded corporations, they, they behave in a similar fashion as all corporations do and, you know, the root word corporation is body, right? Yeah. And so uh, just like the human body, there can be parts of your body that well, like, are bad. Let's say, for instance,
0: looking back into <laughs> the, the if other parts go, of your body that are back bad. into the 80s, like nine to five. Like, is there a Dabney Coleman? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um, their their first supervisor at the beginning could very well, <laughs> very well fit into that mold. Uh, probably not so much from the, the grabby prior to, um, um like minus all the sexual cases. harassment. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not to that extent. Um, because I, I vaguely said it in the here and now, I don't get specific in, in terms of years or anything like that. But, right. Um, yeah, that, that would, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I could, I could definitely see that. So you have that, that particular supervisor, his boss, like I said, up, up the corporate ladder. And then ultimately, um, there are other, uh, characters that are really more, obstructive than villainous. Um, and that, that is something that, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned nine to five, cause <laughs> I was talking to somebody that was reviewing the book and I was trying to explain some of the thematic elements I I wanted to incorporate. Like, um, doesn't really translate to film very well, but seventies realism is really, um, it works well in novels, particularly novels and okay. noir bent. And, yeah what i mean what i as i define 70s realism is that there is not that jolt or affirmation of resolution necessarily oh, um, okay. there's not this great payoff at the end you don't you don't get to watch frodo throw the ring in and you know hoop and holler over so it so it's there's sort of not, like
0: the the ending of like like no country for old men in a yeah. sense there's
1: there ultimately yeah absolutely because Closure doesn't exist in reality. Okay, uh, okay. Well, I'm I'm <laughs> So yeah, okay. Closure
0: doesn't exist in reality. Closure <laughs> does not exist
1: in reality. Ask anybody that there is that, no there is no happy end. There is no because there is no ending. No, there is no ending. Ask anybody that, and I'm not going to get into whether I'm pro or, or against the death penalty, but ask anybody that goes and sees from the closed caption TV. Uh, the person that has wronged them or their family being put to get death and ask them if they actually sense any right. any real feeling of closure. And you may be surprised to find out that no, they don't feel any better. Oh, I don't feel any different. Uh, I don't feel any different. I just watched this guy got shot up by something or another that Europe won't sell us anymore. But um
2: I'm I don't glad he dead different. but
1: I still feel the same shit yeah, that because i because it seeing. does it doesn't bring anything. No back, closure. Right. Yeah. So so in reality there's no closure. Um Typically, CEOs get golden parachutes, and and they, you know, they Wells jump off, off the plane, and yeah, <laughs> well mm-hmm. They jump off the plane, and and you know, so th- there's no mm. consequence necessarily to their actions. There's,
0: there's, um, and and they and they know this, and they though. Know they, they're. It's just like at the end of that movie, The Big Short. Whenever um, spoiler. Oh well, what's what's <laughs> that sitting there? And, and he goes. They knew that it was going to happen like this the entire time. They, they just knew.
1: didn't care. No, and and that's that's the part that that could be to certain readers a little um, off-putting. Maybe is that there is no grand, you know, from a, a mystery or a who-done-it sense. There is no grand. Aha! I got gotcha. you. There's. Scooby Doo doesn't rip off the old man's mask, and he doesn't say, "I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling kids." There is no, yeah, th- there is you know, not I, that. Element. I read
0: something the other day. I don't know if you saw that. S- somebody said, say. "You know what, Scooby Doo taught us as kids is that the real monsters are us. When they take off the mask, it's always a human." Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's, it's never it's they never a, catch it's an it's actual always monster a person back there. So it's having true. having recently worked for Wells Fargo and being a fan of Office Space and. All of us having worked in offices before, what I'm seeing so far with what I've been reading from the hatchet women is I'm going to relate to them in the aspect of they they work, uh, you know, a nine to five office life for a corporation. So there's going to be some similarities and there's going to be some similar frustrations. Whereas, you know, the entire world just witnessed, you know, Wells Fargo CEO basically getting fired and him trying to blame all the lower level employees. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to take him with him. Mm-hmm. Is there some kind of sense and vindication in that and that there's somebody, that there's these four women that we can relate to in their work environment who actually do get the upper hand and do kind of deliver some kind of
1: punishment? Yeah, there is that um, in a very uh, visceral sense uh, at the end of it. Uh, a visceral but, sense. Is yeah. There, um,
0: just kind of like, is there a physical altercation? Is it?
1: Well, are, are uh, there yeah, actual I hatchets? The or am I- you know how I, I?
2: Yeah. So when do the hatchets come in? <laughs> yeah. <yet>?
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, is there? A, Aaron for his birthday. I got a new axe for, for his birthday. Aaron got a beautiful axe. Okay. For a reason very, to use it. Very sharp. Well,
2: I feel like I feel like when this story is adapted into a movie, it's going to be more like. You know, four women get pissed off and yeah. start just chopping up people in the office. They have like what do they call
1: those, like bandoliers or whatever, yeah. With, yeah, the yeah, yeah. with the grenades yeah, on. Yeah, like one of
2: them's got like a big battle axe. Yeah. One of them's got the bandoliers full of little throwing hatchets.
0: <laughs> so it's not going to have a horror movie ending. Or no, a um, ending.
1: again, you know, you guys know me. I, I live my life through relating different movies I've seen to the here. So president. they're like,
0: so they like Quentin Tarantino. No, not to bath. that extent. Not, a, not like to the extent bath, of, um, of, of like the book I've been telling you to read. Uh, ready player one it's they do that's why i thought of when i read that book i thought wow nick's got to read this book this is right I up his alley to,
1: i still need to i uh, th- i would say that the ending is more akin to uh an old movie i think it was an early 80s movie called jagged edge which i believe had Glenn close we- yes. and jeff bridges yeah um it's it's similar to to the ending of that Okay. Um, but again, because I was, you know, 70s die out, it still probably falls into the purview of, of 70s. Realism I saw love
0: hearing line. It's pretty similar to the ending of that old 80s movie, Jagged Edge. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but the other thing that th- thematically I wanted to, to address or attempt to address is um, I wanted to challenge I, it. I took five years to write this one and I worked on it for about. Uh, two and a half years, and then I, I literally put it down um, for about a year and a half, and then uh, picked it back up, spent about another. I remember that year I actually do remember
0: it. you talking about it prior and then there was just kind of the slaps and
1: yeah and, and it wasn't it wasn 't for uh, rider's block or or any of those things. I knew where it needed to go and, and where I wanted it to go but the um, I, I think it it became very challenging for me from a standpoint of. Uh, I wanted to one set out in write four strong female characters um, and be confident in my ability to do that mm. without it, without having to rely on any type of superficiality or any type of assumptions okay, so on the way women behave. Now, yeah. um, I, since college, have argued that men and women are more similar than they are different. Um, and that it should not be uh, such a reach for a, a, a male author to write strong female characters or vice versa, a female author to write strong ma- mm. male characters. Um, the Brontes are horrible at writing strong male characters, and that's why they're all pale and sickly and about to die. Um, so that would be an example of a failure in that in that aspect, not to well, pick on anybody nights. that's a Bronte <laughs> fan. But, um, anyway... Uh, So that, that, but that was challenging. I wanted to make it as realistic as possible. I didn't want that to be forced. I didn't want that to feel forced. Um, And another challenge uh, with my first two books, there was. (laughs) um, Is that. There was a lot of profanity in those.
0: Pewter Murder and Loaded Dice. Yeah, Pewter
1: Murder and Loaded Dice and then Structured Chaos. Chaos.
0: Yeah, Structured Chaos. There is,
1: especially with the first one, it deals with 14 year old boys, and the four of us have all been 14 year old boys in here. And so. There was a high high level of profanity um, because back then that's the way fourteen year old boys lots spoke. Lots of profanity,
0: and, uh, lots of cigarette smoking, yeah, lots, lots of, of just, hiding stuff from yeah, older people. Gritty, Sex talk.
1: Yes, yeah, stuff that that fourteen year olds have no concept of, but like to pretend that they have a concept of, and I, I wanted to get away from that. Um, and and drastically alter. Well, that's a my that's voice. a drastic
0: getting away from writing in the vein of a old boy. To writing in the like because when I think of so, like an author trying to write from the perspective of a woman, the first thing that my brain goes to is um, reading Stephen King's Gerald's Game or Dolores Claiborne. You sure. know, those are like two really good examples for me of a male author writing from a woman's perspective. Sure. Um, which, being a man, like there's no way that you can never possibly
1: completely do that right absolutely but
0: if you can capture it that is that is a pretty mm, amazing thing to to
1: try and achieve sure and so i wanted to do that from just a personal challenge i think that um you know if you're just going to write the same shtick over and over again it, it becomes well you you run the risk of burnout right so sure I wanted to challenge myself in that way and or in, in those ways and again really alter my narrative voice. Um uh, not not write in first person and 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 write I, I distrust omniscient third person for the same reason. Um just because you're crafting characters uh doesn't mean that you can truly know another person mm-hmm. completely. And for that matter you don't know yourself completely. So people who write in that know-it-all, omniscient, third-person way, um, I just personally have a hard, a hard time with that. So I'm comfortable, I, I had to get comfortable with limited third person. And, you know, the task then becomes that it, with if a, a new chapter starts from one of four perspectives, I have to be able to at least somehow um, speak in that voice and make it distinctive from so the not last one. You're writing voice. from the
0: perspective of one woman. You're writing from the perspective of four
1: different women. For, four different women, and so um, and and they are very distinct. And I wanted them to be distinct. And I wanted them to have strong personalities, uh, different but strong personalities, um, and still figure out a way to get along. So that was a part of it. Another um, element is that um, because the insurance company doesn't want their agency for us to know that these, these ladies are in there to investigate bad behavior and terminate people. Mm -hmm. Um, They make them dye their hair. Uh, Well, let me back up. So (laughs) there's an event. (laughs) Are they all suicide blondes? (laughs) They, uh, they make them in, and this, this is kind of uh, in real life. So I was working for a particular company in, in Minneapolis and, um, the event planning department for this insurance company, uh, was staffed, uh, completely by women and they all in some sign of solidarity decided to dye their hair blonde, which if you've ever been to Minneapolis, isn't much of a stretch for a Caucasian woman to (laughs) dye her hair blonde in the state of Minnesota. Um, but they all did that. And I I thought that, that that was of all the, I mean, of all the, color choices of, of hair dye uh, as a sign of solidarity. but So I kind of flipped the script on that a little bit. I, I decided, okay, well, they're forced to dye their hair because they, they're telling everybody they're a part of the event planning department as their cover. So ah, these four okay. women um, are highly encouraged. They're not forced. It's not like somebody holds them down and right. puts bleach in their hair or anything. But um, they're highly, uh, let's say, coerced into dyeing their hair as a cover um and so um just again i wanted to, to have that element of how um in a very odd outlandish way how women have to um adhere to cultural standards that they weren't necessarily they're at the inception of or the writing of right right because they weren't a part of the initial they find
0: themselves in a situation where they can recognize what those might be and use it to their advantage
1: use it to their advantage and so
0: accomplish what they want
1: later um about halfway through and you could call it the turning point of the climax They decide to to kind of buck that or rebel against it and return to their original hair colors (laughs) because screw that right um so they uh, they do that, and then in the in the follow-up, I have a follow-up novella that's also it's not available on Amazon. Um, there are various sources like my website that that you can get a. Uh, there's some challenges with putting it on Amazon from the standpoint that it's free, but I I only want to offer it to people who have um, ordered the the first novel, and it's only an ebook mm-hmm. form, and so that's what makes it challenging. I could put it on on Amazon for free, and ultimately I, I will. Can they bring it to me uh, by drone? <laughs> no, they can't drop. There's no tangible reality to it. You can load it on a Kindle and just drop it. Okay. Kindle. That's I'll true. take
0: it. They're they're just drop the Kindle,
1: Kindle on the sidewalk. <laughs> so the novella... There's a Kindle
0: laying here. So the
1: the entire series is three <laughs> novels with novellas in between them. Okay. And so the, the novella... Wait, so that's
0: when the Hatchelman is number one then
1: yeah hatchet women more. okay and then so hatchet women the novella in between had um is called hatchet women back bay slangs and that that actually occurs in uh boston um in the back bay financial district of boston and that's southie or and i don't <laughs> remember i know it's not southie um but it's in the financial district the uh copley square area of okay. uh, boston and so um that's a lot more straightforward the, the intent the overlining story arc is is how they ultimately decide to um become more entrepreneurial and start their own uh consultative business of doing uh terminating or <laughs> uh rather you know like more from a instead of a w2 employee standpoint but mm-hmm. a 1099 contractor standpoint and so that's the kind of the next step is that um, they get referred to um, this other insurance company, where a disgruntled employee has come in and gunned down four people, and then left. And they they know who it's not a who done it because they know who done it. They've got him on videotape shooting all these people, uh, but they don't know where he's going next, and they're very concerned as to if he would be targeting other employees. And so um, that delves again very quickly because it's a novella into just ridiculous stuff in that realm as well um again that still focuses more on the life and annuity side and then the third novel which i haven't titled yet but i've, I've written the roughed on or the second novel um deals with uh the uh, medicare industry the the privatization of medicare so this is a
0: horror um, novel then yeah so that's that a one horror novel that one
1: number three <laughs> yeah that one um it, that's its own can of worms, and it was it, it was enough uh, to write as a novel. that's there's like on a there's like a
0: sub story in there of somebody applying for like Social Security disability benefits. Well, and,
1: no, but but how?
0: Plus Title 16 stuff. or It's going to come with your Medicare.
1: Yeah, but uh, what what this is is it, it uh, <laughs> geeking out on insurance, insurance. Yeah, geeking it out on the CMS <laughs> marketing <laughs> chapter sub one twenty. Uh,
0: I don't think you're going to meet listing four point one, but you know <laughs> exactly. Um, you keep
1: bringing oh, me really those more, medical sorry. records. It's really more about that's how talking to you out there. Insurance <laughs> companies exploit people who are on Medicare, uh, um, particularly all, in-
0: all, 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 people that represent anyone that's filing for Medicare Title sixteen is exploiting those people. Yeah, which agree. the people that are being represented feel like that. They're not being exploited, but yeah, they're being exploited. They're,
1: it, it, it's still, it should be against
0: the law it, for attorneys to represent people filing for title 16, but it's not, it's not, it's, it's very much not against the law and it should be. Well, that's the problem. Illegal.
1: You, have, you know, lawmakers, the people that write law usually have degrees in law. So they not know how to write the laws. Right. So,
0: well, that's yeah. a, okay. So I'm going to kind of, I'm just going to get on a high horse here and it's way, way off subject is that I used to work on the PNC side of insurance. I Mm. used to talk to people about car accidents and their total losses or people that were injured. And the most frequent question all of the freaking time was, hey, um, should I get an attorney? Fuck! (laughs) <laughs> if you want to do anything for yourself, that's okay. Stay the fuck away from attorneys. What the hell is wrong with you? Yeah. Hey, should I go ahead and take this fucking gun and shoot my toe off? No, stay the fuck away from him. What is wrong with you? And that's even the same thing that I see now is that people, when they apply for social well, you know, I've got this attorney. Oh, great. So you're going to lose half of your money for nothing. Even if you get anything, Yeah. stop. We have this whole like concept that the system is going to screw us over which is great because it will i mean it ultimately it will but the fact that you're going to run to some, it's like oh my god this monster terrifies me i'm going to run to this other monster to help me sure it it, it doesn't are make you any saying sense all
2: attorneys are monsters Yes. My attorney <laughs> my attorneys are
1: not monsters.
2: Everyone yeah. else is to know say, you, about know to be what? you know what? I can
1: tell you this right. When
0: I go to the bathroom and take a shit, I don't fucking spray the smell and icy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying Sounds so like I'm, you're
2: the monster. Uh, so All it, I'm
0: saying is is that we all like the smell of our own brand.
1: <laughs> with Medicare uh, there is a level of Medicare that is, that is already privatized. I know that gets uh, well. It had been politicized for a while, especially after the 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 inception of Obamacare and those kind of things. But under the Bush administration, it it gained a lot more traction to fully pri- privatize Medicare, right? Mm-hmm. And now it would seem that we're at a, except for in Oklahoma, right? Well, if well, that's the thing. Medicare is a federally funded program, and
0: well, I guess the expansion is not. In
1: the Oklahoma. expansion is not. Um, but I'm talking about Medicare, not necessarily Medicaid. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. So so Medicare, typically people qualify for it uh, by working a certain amount of qualifying quarters on the Social right. Security side. Right. Paying into Medicare taxes for a certain amount of time and then um, either becoming fully disabled and being on, on disability for at least 24 months. If you look months. on paycheck, this is the, the FICA that you see. Yeah, yeah the FICA. Yeah, that's where yeah. yeah, that's where it comes out of the payroll tax, right? So. Um, or they age in, meaning they turn 65, and then they, mm-hmm. they qualify because of their age. Um, there are different levels of, of Medicare, and, and I discuss that further in that particular work, but ultimately, Part C of Medicare is what's known as Medicare Advantage, and Medicare Advantage mm-hmm. is ran by private insurance companies that have contracted directly with Medicare, and when you, when you um, enroll into a Medicare Advantage company, for their health plan, they are literally taking over or stepping in uh, in front of Medicare on your behalf. I think it's a little dicey, but ultimately, this especially this time of year, they're right in the middle of their their hay season, which is called well, the annual election
0: period. Uh, um, open open enrollment. Open season. It's right? yeah, oh, open, open season. Yeah. Open season. Open season. <laughs> Basically open season. <laughs> on, it's uh, open pack. season I guess, on the end sure
2: of yeah. Well But no, it, it, it goes
1: till I think December 7th and it just started <laughs> on uh, October 15th. Yeah, I just got my, like,
2: my email from the old <laughs> open season, the old <laughs> HR department or wherever. Uh, so letting me know that I'm now there's now a target on my back. Yeah, there's now a target on your back.
1: <laughs> Don't be surprised. <laughs> there's insurance um, companies out rutting for you. Uh, when, when that happens, you see these commercials right now, uh, particularly in Oklahoma, where they offer a zero premium plan, and you might be thinking, how can an insurance company offer insurance coverage, particularly health insurance coverage, without paying premium, or expecting a, a, a uh, policyholder to pay premium? And the reason for it is because because they're contracted with Medicare, Medicare literally gives them money for you to manage your health care. And Medicare Advantage plans are ran on an HMO model. Mm-hmm. And so you go to the doctors that they tell you to go to. You have to stay in network. Otherwise, it's not covered. You lose a lot of your flexibility and freedom that you would find in in, in regular Medicare through doing that. Ultimately, um, by that point, they are the, the hatchet women to get fully back to that are have gone completely independent. Um, and it's their first major contract assignment and they're having to they're they're hired to kind of observe and report and monitor a particular sales manager's behavior and so they think it's because he's doing fraudulent things or potentially doing fraudulent things and they find out that the opposite is true is that he's fighting
0: uh,
1: against the company from or trying to prevent the company from doing fraudulent things and of course the company doesn't like that so they're they're literally um, trying to get them to go in there on you know the proverbial witch hunt to get him for something that would be a terminable offense, and uh, you know ultimately they, they have to determine whether or not can, they're going to do that so in, in that in that level it it's kind of flipping things around. so instead of it being clear cl- clear cut, black and white, this is here's your contract, this is what it tells you to do, and this is what it tells you not to do, and you violated that sayonara here's your here's your package goodbye have a nice day this guy in this one is actually fighting trying to fight a better fight not the good fight necessarily but a better fight uh, against the tide of a lot of corruption um and uh just malpractice and, and bad behavior for i can't company.
0: decide if i want stanley kubrick or adam mckay to direct your movie <laughs>
1: um well i would i would envision it more in um in a series environment um like whether it would be on Amazon or Netflix or something like that. Okay. Um,
0: ah, you know, yeah, you're right. Like, uh,
1: here's your Hulu special. Yeah, and so, yeah. They're, you know, it could be, when it's all said and done, it could be five or six seasons long. Yeah. I, I like that, you know, you see that more in movies or in, in TV series now that um, they, they seem a lot more willing to end on a good note, right, instead of back in the day when they would allow – shows to just go way past the you, you know? Oh, you're talking
0: about like a, like a, okay.
1: You know, yeah. you know with,
0: like, like, to, the, like this, yeah. like the season of Roseanne where they won the lottery and then it all turns out it was a dream. Like yeah. they should have
1: just ended Roseanne yeah. instead of doing that season. And, and I'm, I'll probably get, you know accosted in the parking lot by saying well i guess this isn't live but i guess i'm safe but you know mash (laughs) even mash went on too long and and there were a lot of people that cried their eyes out when Mash finally ended but it went on too long
0: twin peaks ended or how northern exposure ended or it was all these kinds of like um sort of anticlimactic non-fan well that's what i really liked about breaking bad i think breaking bad was the very first tv show that I ever binged on Netflix when that started to become a thing. And I loved the fact that it was written from beginning to end with exactly everything that was going to happen. Mm -hmm. They knew it was almost like they wrote out a whole novel and then said, this is what is going to occur. And we're not gonna keep doing additional seasons just because we still have popularity. We're going to tell the story and then end it. Yeah, and I I like that. It's a good way to serialize uh, a novel and have a and have and have closure. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's like the difference Even between it's, it's written. <laughs> it's so like the difference closure, like breaking up out. with somebody and it being done, and then the difference between breaking up with somebody and be like, oh hey, let's get back together. Now we're gonna break up. Well, no, let's get back together. Like with the X Files, for instance. Yeah,
1: or yeah, that's a good a good example of that. Uh, or the 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 writing, or maybe the production becomes increasingly manipulative. Yes, um, and it it becomes almost abusive to the, the loyal audience. And dare I say, I think The Simpsons have well gone beyond that point. Simpsons did of, uh, uh, Friends is another, Seinfeld. I mean, these ones that are long-running that you could literally almost pinpoint the exact moment when that show should have ended, and yet here's four or five more seasons. Um, I, I would, again, I'm glad this isn't live because I'd probably get shot in the parking lot, but uh, The Walking well, we Dead. 23rd Street. Yeah, well... <laughs> Yeah, but
0: I've but this been, isn't this isn't the early '90s though. Either, yeah, so. I was about to say,
1: I, I used to walk down these streets back then, and I still didn't get. It was kind of funny. I guess I guess, right? if I, either,
0: would I, guess I, I guess we have to find our guns. There's yeah. going to be a shooting on 23rd. Street. Oh yeah, there's
1: we all have guns, right, We're Yeah, we all have guns. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> but like, The Walking Dead has become ridiculously abusive and manipulative of its audience because yeah they're the only things going yeah. um, i think
0: every week starts a new spin-off series of the walking almost. dead they've put the, them on boats they've put them on islands oh, they're going to be the on a spaceship
1: it's absolutely horrible carol metazequel who uh, yeah, i don't even know what that means anymore who, uh, whoever whoever cast the you know the guy that that died on uh, gray's anatomy and got Catherine Heigl to fall in love with his ass before he died, as Negan. Uh, That's where I knew Negan. From. Well, he, wait, yeah. he, he was crazy Are you serious? Yeah, he was yeah, a kid. Yeah. She or was old, and of course, Supernatural. World
2: world world. I heard this. I didn't know that. I heard this on a. There's a. Speaking of Ezekiel, there's a, a feature of Ezekiel that was in contention the other day. I was it was talking to somebody about this, and it was like, why would he? Why why the hell does this guy have a tiger? How does he have a tiger? He How tried to possibly? explain it. I didn't know we could have but, tigers, but no, check this out. <laughs> As, I was watching a, a clip of uh, Joe Rogan stand up the other day and he brings like up this Joe fact <laughs> and uh, I'm going to s- assume that he's not lying when he says that this is a fact and he's double checked. This is that there are currently more tigers <laughs> in private collections in captivity in Texas than there are free roaming in the rest of the world. Are you serious?
1: <laughs> you know, that's, what, <laughs> that's,
0: that's why, why that. like one never. text and looks at another text and he goes, well, I didn't know we could have tigers. Yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: going to get a tiger. Flip through the rule book. <laughs> nothing, about tigers, nothing about tigers. Give me tigers. <laughs> 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 that, uh, that, you know,
2: so just surprise. the idea like, like how would well, this guy just have a tiger? Okay, so Probably we Texas. Got, okay, but
0: we got Joe Exotic here in Oklahoma. <laughs> Joe Exotic, that was his <laughs> name. We were trying to remember yeah. his name. So that's a great example of something going on. Wait, By the time you're having to have tigers living with you, you wait, wait, your, hold on. Your, your story has, so, has passed okay, its point. Of, okay, so yeah. are we jumping the tiger? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have we got a new thing now? Are you in saying
1: Walking Dead's jumping the tiger? We're not. Fonzie is gone. We're
0: no longer jumping the shark, but now we're jumping the tiger. Jumping the tiger. The
1: tiger. <laughs> Well, yeah, and, and they they do kind of. We can't jump
0: sharks anymore because they're now
1: in tornadoes. So. But you know it, what the the problem is? Tigers what are I too. Feel is, You know, <laughs> here being, in Oklahoma. Being oh my God! You see her. You know, you guys, you guys know this, but being what used to be called a role player or a gamer, yeah, which now has turned LARPer. into other iterations LARPer. like LARPer. cause yeah, larp or cosplay. <laughs> um, but role playing doesn't necessarily, you know have sexual My implications conflict. but because. back in the day as a you know you would build these characters and you would get a re- rewarded experience points and you'd spend your experience points on oh like pokemon weaponry Go. and yeah and so <laughs> essentially all that does is it creates a god fest at the end and what i mean by that is um it's a never it's a an unwinnable battle it's between your paper character and someone else's paper character and you you've both built up your character to a point that you're uh, invincible, and yeah. it just goes on for hours and hours and hours. In Walking Dead, they've done the same thing because each each time they or something similar, each time they have to one up themselves. They have to create yeah. some some new level of horror or new level uh, of atrocity. Okay, yeah. or, and and by the time it gets to the Saviors and Negan, uh, he he has nowhere to go. He has one. He has one level, and it's overact to the max. Which I mean, come on, he was overacting when he was dying of cancer on Grey's Anatomy, <laughs> so he's he's good in that element, but it it's just past his prime. Hopefully, you know, we're way off topic on that, but it. it, it well, no,
0: and and it's, it feels like that all they're doing in this sense for Walking Dead is just to set it up for. What does nots to come and kill Negan in this oh, yeah. great, amazing, either half season finale, mid season yeah. ending, next beginning halfway who's gonna, who's sort of starting Negan, ending? Yeah, Rick's going to come and kill him. Yeah, I think because Rick. Oh well, right. yeah, they're setting it up for Rick to kill Negan. Rick already said he would, and you know, every time Rick makes a promise like that, he delivers. Oh yeah. What? 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 Are a Grimes
2: always keeps his promises. Here's another right. way that that yeah, show has become manipulative. Debts. Yeah, that's right. Who's that? <laughs>
1: They film in Atlanta. You know what doesn't happen in Atlanta? Winter. Winter does not happen in Atlanta, and yet they have to but take these But I thought they were, aren't they in like Alexandria and, now? Oh, aren't we, they? Well, I know, but they still film it in Atlanta. Because Georgia gives, they want to create kind of an East Coast Hollywood down there, and so they give a ton of tax breaks, the state of Georgia does. You ever been to Hollywood? Uh, no. Okay. I've, I've seen the sign, <laughs> which is really not impressive. But uh, ultimately, you can still film in november and february yeah but that's not a
2: side effect of that's never been a side effect of the season it's always been a side effect of the studios
1: taking breaks and that's yeah yeah, it's been the oh we have to take a break but they say it's because of winter and it's like no just say that you want to take a break because it sucks filming over and over that's the
2: same reason they're saying that game of thrones gets delayed so much is because they need to be filming in winter and it's never (laughs) winter (laughs) it was
0: coming yeah, well, yeah, it's right. never there, right? It's coming in the, in the story. It's, it's always coming. That's going to be the downfall for Game of Thrones. Is because of global warming. Yeah. <laughs> and they keep saying the winter is coming. Like, oh, we fucked up. Winter <laughs> actually is never coming. It's yeah. never going to be here. So, you, so you would like to see your novel serialized and not in, over in serialized. A, yeah, in a
1: yeah in 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 some of these new uh, distribution formats that are out there. So, some things that are encouraging, not only to me but hopefully to others, is that. Uh, I can't remember if it was South by Southwest. I think it was, but it may have been oh, Sundance or whatever. But Amazon and Hulu and Netflix literally the last two years have, have gone in and and bought up and overpaid for all of the intellectual property, whether it's pilots or uh, scripting and that type of stuff that, that comes out of, of uh, those film festivals. Um, and what I mean by outspent um, – this was a story on NPR I heard and I kind of did more research it after I heard research, after I heard that, but, uh, heard the story. But, uh, I think Amazon outspent anybody else, namely like Fox searchlight and paramount and those types of companies by six times. So on average, they were offering six times the contract that the traditional studios were because they, they want content and they're, they're really looking t- for, for content. Well, you know they they will reach a point of glut and then they'll reach after that they'll reach a point of people not caring and you know at some point you know hopefully I can get in there in the right time <laughs> between the point of glut and then the point of not caring or saturation I should say and um, we'll see but yeah I, I think it, it can stand um, very well in that in that capacity. I would
0: like to see that happen
1: yeah, that would be, that awesome. would be
0: cool. It would be cool. So let's uh, let's do a quick shout out to um, the the artwork on yes, the cover of your book. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, because they like, all look like girls um, I like, dated. It's also Every who? Single who. One
1: of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not 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 one. Well, Wait, which one? Maybe one. Maybe one. Maybe one.
0: Uh, There's so, a girl on there that looks like someone I dated too. Um,
1: I had a a really distinct concept for this the book cover. I wanted. I wanted there to be a semblance of, um, the Beatles revolver album cover.
0: Oh, okay. I and, see that.
1: And so that was the idea of having, um, their, so on the cover there, there are the four, uh, main characters, the four women, the hatchet women. Um, and they are drawn, uh, the outlines of their face and their facial features are drawn. Of course, they all have their blonde hair. Um, but like the Beatles' Revolver album, and the Beatles um, were
0: the they were the disco band from the seventies, right? Something like that.
1: That was the Bee Gees. When, oh yeah. Okay, sorry. Beatles never on came Bee Gees. up with a decent cover. I mean, well, of course they never came up with a decent song they did. either. But,
0: whoa, um, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa,
1: whoa! <laughs> All right, to me you Twenty Third
0: Street. Note. We're in the parking lot, buddy. You
1: no, just found the
2: guy who's going to shoot
0: you. There
1: you go. You just I'd find him eventually.
0: Right? You just at
1: your end. Um, no, but so the the idea there was then to in, in the Beatles' Revolver album, their eyes, same thing. Their their face facial features are drawn, and it looks like they're literally just had put a white sheet of paper over photographs and then cut out eye holes for their actual eyes to come through. Right. And so I always that has always stuck with me um, since the first time I saw that album. I think it was in high school. Actually, it was over at Kyle Golding's studio <laughs> when I first. Wait, saw wait, where that. was his studio, by the way? Was, um, where was it was it's over like there in. A, it's a, it was off a pin in like 25th.
0: Yeah, it was in the Shepherd area. It wasn't yeah, there. and okay. it was it was I, in
1: his house, so okay. it was just anyway. Yeah. Um, so I. I I knew that there would need to actually be actually be artwork to the, to the cover rather than uh Photoshop or, or those more, uh, more widely used methods. So I reached out to, uh, Charles Martin, um, who's yeah. with the literary, literary the plunge. Uh, yeah. The plunge literary of sale press. Plunge. Yeah. The literary press. And I asked him, um, cause he and I had in, in a few times throughout our, runnings um have you know talked about different ideas of things and so i knew he'd be a good source and i said hey i'm looking for somebody that's a strong illustrator um from a a comic book background um to do this for me and you know i'll just hire it out or whatever and so uh natasha alterisi was who he recommended whom he recommended and uh she did phenomenal work we she you know I, i gave her what i wanted and I think she, she. There was only maybe two back and forths before she. It was just little tweaks. I mean, even the the rough, the very. The, I shouldn't say rough, but the initial uh, layout was like ninety five percent what I wanted immediately. It was wow, amazing, awesome. and she does phenomenal work. Um, very honored to have uh, her be a part of that. Yeah, she's a, a local
0: artist. Yeah. She's yes. a local artist. Nice and So you can find all of her, her comics and her graphic novels mm-hmm. in the
1: plunge. That is yep. awesome. And so I would, I I've talked to her. I need to probably follow up with her on this, but I, I already have an idea of uh, a storyboard um, or a, uh, you know, that, that you typically could use uh, to pitch it as a series, a TV stu- series. I already have that in my mind as to how I want that to look um and i the biggest thing is well i want her to essentially illustrate the, the storyboard which would is ultimately come down to the first chapter of the novel in a storyboard format and then opening credits and uh i'll float this out to see what you guys think of this idea but um i want the song for the opening credits um to be um that Lita Ford, Ozzy Osbourne duet. Oh my god, are you serious? Close yes, I'm my dead eyes serious. Forever. Yeah, close my ears forever. Um, just because there are there oh, are there
0: are breaks. Unchased. There are very
1: dramatic <laughs> and thematic breaks in that song oh, that would overlay forever. perfectly with opening credits. Um, and it obviously it has um, both a cheesy '80s element, but also a very creepy element at the same time. <laughs> and and you're correct. Um, that was his first top ten uh, single at that point, ever. What? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. So there's some level of popularity I can remember to that dancing song. to
0: that song literally at North Rock Creek and Shawnee during the eighth grade dance. You
1: guys played that as a dance song? Oh, yeah. Oh. Slow dancing
0: to Lita Ford, Nancy Osborne.
1: Oh, my God. Talking there's, about Swords now, that's So anyway, that's I have that idea, and I, I'd like to put it in front of her, but ultimately, if I do that... And I pitch it and I use that song. I'm mean, going to have to fork.
0: Okay. Uh, real r- 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 for r- r- super r- quick question on that, because this episode comes out on the 7th and uh, right. Tuesday November 8th is the election. just real quick opinion poll on Tuesday, uh, the election or um, Atlanta Miles' Black Velvet? What? Yeah. yeah the I'm election or Atlanta right. Miles' Black Velvet?
2: <laughs> Ig-
1: ignore him. I would just ignore is that, him. Or is she coming out on that? Is she on uh, the... Would you prefer the her?
0: election or that song?
1: Oh, a well, black velvet. Okay, there you go. There's, there's <laughs> problem solved. One I vote had? for black velvet. I would I would say that any any election versus you know another choice other than you know the annihilation of the entire planet would be... right.
0: He's just choosing something better. <laughs> it's my whole point. All yes. right.
1: Well, where can we find your book? I uh, like now, said before, Amazon.com um, is the primary, and I I have copies. So if you want to pester me on, I, I have a what do you call it? A fan page or a business page on Facebook. Um, you can get it from me directly from, uh, I, I retooled my website too. So that's now um, that's... instead of nicksconce.com. Um, so you can get it from there as well. That's where I'll also have the free download. So I would encourage people if you were to to order or um, get directly from me, Hatchet Women, um, send me an email. I'm at nick at nicksconce.com. Um, saying, hey, I, I got your book, and then I can send you uh, whatever format you want, whether it's um, Kindle or some of the other e-readers or Nooks or whatever. Uh, I have all those formats available for the, the novella as well. And so that's that's the way we'll, we'll do that. Um, like I said, probably within, I don't know, six months to a year, we'll, we'll probably just make that available anyway. Very uh, well, there.
0: Well, thank you, Nick. Thank you right for joining on. us. Check it yeah, out. Thanks, Thanks for having
2: really You've been listening to The Wafty Show with Stephen, Aaron, and John. As always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song, Cement Truck, off the album Between Heaven and Jonestown, recorded by the magnificent Kurt PR. Kurt's, Kurt's awesome. awesome. That is available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. Remember, as
0: you go out to visit our local places and events, make sure you take care of those who take care of
2: you. Tip your waiters, waitresses, bartenders, musicians, and artists. They're out there working hard for you. We come out with a new episode every Monday. You can find us on iTunes by searching We Apologize for the Inconvenience, where you can subscribe, rate, and comment. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at show Facebook.com slash Show. We'll, we'll see you next week.
1: week. Woo! I'll-
0: So why now, baby?